the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a minute before 4 o'clock. Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. We were talking earlier about the uh, the COVID pandemic. There is There is another pandemic that is going on in our culture, and you have undoubtedly heard about this pandemic, about the number of people in the United States who in the last 12 months have died of drug overdose deaths because of fentanyl. It's it's uh, increasing significantly. Fentanyl deaths, opioid deaths, jumping from 56,000 in the previous year to 75,000 last year. It It is one indicator of first of all the 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 drugs that are flooding the country but it's also an indicator of the despair that is at work in our culture today in part driven by the covid crisis in part driven by the other cultural issues we're experiencing but mostly driven by the spiritual hole in the hearts of so many people in our world Back in the fall of 2005, John Elmore put a loaded shotgun to his head and was ready to take his own life after 10-plus years of alcoholism. He knows how the spiral happens. He knows how you get to the bottom, and he knows the path out Uh, now more than 15 years later john is the director of pastoral care at watermark community church in dallas he is the leader of regeneration the world's largest weekly 12-step recovery program he's written a devotional a 90-day devotional for those who are struggling with addictions called freedom starts today and he's joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. And I'm hoping, by the way, that as you're listening, if if any of this is your story, if drugs or alcohol addiction is a part of what you're struggling with, I hope you'll you'll listen and I hope you'll join us. We we would love to talk with you about where you are and about the hope that is there for you. Our number is eight 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 fifty two talks, eight 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 Five two eight two five five seven. John Elmore, welcome to Southern California Live. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Bob, thank you so much. It's so good to be with you on the air tonight, and I'm so grateful for your ministry that you've had, and I'm even more grateful having heard that invitation that you just made to everyone listening that can tonight can be their step of freedom to take that first step. So thank well, you so much for leaning into this such important topic and letting it uh, be something that we address. 
Well, you face this week in and week out as you're talking with people who whose lives have become uh, they, they have become uh, consumed by this uh, addiction, this besetting uh, issue in their life, and and they they feel hopeless and they feel powerless. They feel like you felt. Take us back to to 2005. How did you get to where you were with a loaded shotgun pointed at your head? You know, it's funny. The way that I got there was by things going really well in my life because I was I was doing well in school. I got a great job right out of college, was making money, getting the girl, uh, getting the job, the promotion, the increased salary, the cars, the house, everything. And I thought that what I was told as a child, I remember hearing in youth group that sin leads to death. And I was like, no, it doesn't. That's a scare tactic from a youth pastor. Because I'm enjoying everything I want to enjoy, from weed to pills to porn to strip clubs to my alcoholism that at that point was functional alcoholism. And I thought uh, I could have my cake and eat it, too. I thought sin does not lead to death. It it actually leads to a whole lot of fun. And then, um, having had three doctors tell me that I was going to die if I kept drinking, um, found out that the girl I was with was with a friend of mine um, that I was I had gone to school with. It's just my, my life was a house of cards. And that that fuse that I had lit of sin, it uh, it was just a really long fuse, and it caught up with me. Um, it took about 12 years, from 18 to 30, but it did catch up with me. And there I was, having been to help a really good card in life as far as education and experience and opportunity. And there I was having been told that I was going to die if I kept drinking, um, being betrayed by a friend and this girl and this, uh, just everything vaporized, everything I had built my life and hope upon crumbled. And so with a gun to my head, I was like, I'm tired of living. I feel like a dog chasing my tail and I don't want any part of this anymore. And, uh, it was just absolute despair. It was that God turned me over to my son, and um, it broke me. But I needed that. What kept so that you from pulling the trigger? Uh, God. <laughs> In the short answer, God. I, I, I flipped the safety off. It was a 12-gauge shotgun. I can see myself holding it to my head. And um, I thought, this will hurt my family so much if I do this. And so I've heard it wisely said that suicide does not end the pain. It just transfers it to the living. And in the moment, I didn't have those words, but I did have that sense of like, this is going to crush my family. And so rather than uh, pulling the trigger, I instead just drank myself to sleep on vodka that night and then continued spiraling in dysfunctional alcoholism and uh, and my plan was, well, I'll just, these doctors have told me I'll die if I quit drinking, keep, keep drinking. And so, you know, that won't be suicide and I'll be able to escape the pain. It'll look like an accident. I'll take sleeping pills while I'm drinking. And that'll be that. And thank goodness uh, my family intervened and then God intervened in a huge way. John, let me go back to youth group. You mentioned growing up and hearing youth pastors talk about this uh, sin leading to death. So you grew up in the church. What happened at 18 where you said... I'm going to start drinking. Yeah, I think I just, um, I was trying to serve two masters, and uh, Jesus says you can't. You'll love the one and hate the other. And I was just tired of it. I was tired of, I was a rule follower. I think I, I had religion. I knew 
about Jesus. I heard people talk about being born again. Um, I also heard this phrase. It was another phrase that always stuck with me. I heard um, there is freedom in Christ. And I, I, too, it was sin leads to death and freedom in Christ. And I thought, that is such a joke. It's anything but freedom. It's bondage. Jesus keeps me from doing everything I want to do. But I didn't understand. I was just, I was, I was blind. I was blinded by the God of this age, as the scriptures say. And so it wasn't until I realized I was a full-blown slave to sin. I just thought I could enjoy my sin. I was like, you know what? God may save me from hell when I die, but I'm going to enjoy my life here. Like, I'll, I'll just enjoy it. I'm not hurting anyone, uh, which was such ignorance. I was hurting myself, my family, many people. Um, but when I realized I was a slave to sin, those words came back to me, there's freedom in Christ. And I realized, like, oh my goodness, I'm enslaved to these lusts of the flesh, this addiction to alcohol, uh, to status-seeking and money and, and all of it. And I need freedom, and Jesus offers it. Tell us about the intervention that took place, because that was the beginning of the path out for you, wasn't it? Yeah. I think a lot of times people don't know what to say, and... uh it didn't require anyone saying anything, really. Um, when, whenever you have a loved one or a friend that's in a bad place, what it took was um, my brother got a one-way flight to Austin, Texas, where I was living on a couch at that point in time, uh, put me in my own car and drove me back to Dallas where my family was waiting for me. This wasn't any kind of a formal intervention. They didn't even know what they were doing. as They were actually living out Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, where it says, if you see someone in sin, Tell them, let them know, and if they hear you, warn them over. If not, bring two or three others. It's just not to shame them, but to rescue them, to shepherd them. And so they unknowingly were living out that scripture. They sat me down and said, hey, you're hurting us, and you're hurting yourself. And so you can either go to rehab or you can stay here with us, but you're not going back to this life. You're self-destructing. And uh, I I have no idea. I didn't even... It's, it's so ironic. I didn't even think I was an alcoholic at this point in time, even though I had doctors telling me I was going to die from drinking, clearly couldn't stop. But you're just, you know, sin makes you stupid. You're just blind. And so I said, hey, I'll go to an AA meeting. Just get off my back. Well, I walk into this AA meeting, and I was shared there the simple, simple, but profound principle uh, in which I started learning to walk in daily sobriety, and then I hit step three, and, and step three, and then this is not an AA message, uh, because AA is not a Christian organization, it's got a very different theology, but uh, that's when I surrendered my life to Jesus, and there is freedom in Christ, and He changed everything, and I thought I had squandered my life beyond repair, and in reality, my life was just beginning. I want to talk about the difference between AA's approach and and the approach that you're taking in regeneration. But was that yeah. was that AA meeting? Was that your was was the last time you took a drink? Was it before you went to that AA meeting? Uh, it was the it was the day before my brother picked me up in my car. I knew I had to stay sober because my brother was picking me up. So it was December 21st of 2005. He got me on the 22nd. So it was my first day of sobriety. So it's now been been 16 years. Um, in that AA meeting, they ask, is there anyone here willing to commit to staying sober for 24 hours? And I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, I don't, I don't need one day of sobriety. I need a lifetime of sobriety. 24 hours? Are you kidding me? 
I need serious help. But what I was learning, and, and this is Galatians 5.16, where it says, walk by the Spirit, which is in the Greek, it's this ongoing, present tense, continuous, meaning all day, every day, just walk with God. And that's the command. But then there's a promise, and it says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so what I was learning there was this biblical principle that you walk with God one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness today, and he will set you free. A lifetime of freedom is made up by singular days. And so I just learned to walk with God in daily sobriety by his power, not mine. I, I have no power over sin. My willpower is not greater than sin's power. But God's power crushes sin's power. And so I started walking with God daily in daily surrender, and he has, he has set me free and continues to. John Elmore joining us this afternoon. He's written a devotional for those who are pursuing sobriety, who are on the path, who are, are trying to walk in freedom. It's called Freedom Starts Today. It's available wherever you get books. I would recommend it to you. And, and John, I, I mentioned um, AA and what, and what you're doing in, in the work of regeneration. Um, and, and we're not here to, to, to bash AA because AA has done a lot of, of good for a lot of folks. But it's, a, it's an incomplete answer, isn't it? Yeah, AA's focus, and they'll tell you this, their aim is sobriety. And, and that's, that's helpful. Like, that's a, that's a good step in the right direction. But sobriety will not keep you from uh, hell forevermore. I mean, every soul is immortal and will spend eternity in heaven or hell. And the crux of that destination is all based on the person of Jesus Christ and what you believe about him. If you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, says you'll be saved. And so their aim is sobriety and, uh, and not much else. Now, what I have found in the Christian life and just in human depravity is that we don't stop sins, we swap sins. S-W-A-P, we swap them. And so what happens a lot of times is people get sober from alcohol, but then they'll switch it out for uh, a sex addiction or porn addiction. We'll just, like, change. We, you've taken away a pacifier uh, from someone of alcohol, and as that flesh is crying out, they're just going to find something else to pacify unless that peace is given to them, not a false imitation poisonous peace, but rather the peace of Jesus Christ. And once the peace of Christ invades your soul, like, you're satiated, and he not only, I tell people all the time, he will not make you better. Jesus won't make you better. He will make you new. It is the word born again, to be given a new life, um, where he changes your desires and your appetites and your life purpose and your dreams and your everything. Um, and he doesn't strip you of your personality. It's like life um, plugged into the Spirit to the fullest. And so um, that, that's the difference, and, and it's ironic that we're talking this evening. I mean, I'm watching, there's 1,200 people that are walking into our church right now with every struggle under the sun. So porn, anxiety, sex addiction, pills, weed, you name it. And they're walking into the church, into the front door, not the back door. Hmm. And they're going to have a worship service, a testimony, a teaching from God's Word. They're going to break up into small groups. They're going to confess sin. And after they confess sin, James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to one another, and we leave this part out, and pray for each other so that, why do you do this? So that we could be shamed or shunned, so that you may be healed. God promises when we bring things into the light by confessing and pray that God rains down healing. 
And I just think we have left that promise on the table for far too long. And so we wonder, you know, if you want to be forgiven, confess your sins to Jesus. If you want to be healed, God's prescription is that we confess to one another and pray for each other. And then he's like, he'll bring about healing. And you are seeing this every week. You're seeing people set free from uh, addictive bondage to to these kinds of behaviors week in, week out, as they step into and obey God's Word, right? Miracles before your eyes. We have a transgender, like a biological male, who has um, been living as a woman whose life is in change before my eyes, who now calls me brother and is dressing in men's clothes, even though he had previously undergone a breast augmentation, uh, marriages restored, porn addictions, like a, you know, a 50-year-old man that's had a porn addiction since he was eight when he was sexually abused and exposed to porn by a family member or an uncle who literally walks into the church with like 50 pounds of porn, magazines, videos, you name it. And it's like, what do I do with this? And we walk it to the dumpster. And he throws it to the back as it pounds into that metal dumpster, and he weeps with tears of joy because he's free mm-hmm. for the first time in 30-plus years. And so and, and let me tell you, it is not the ministry of regeneration at Watermark Community Church. It is Jesus, mm-hmm. the risen Savior, whose promises are the same yesterday, today, and always because the character doesn't change. So it, it's why I... I, I I've had people say, like, why do you always talk about your alcoholism? And I'm like, because everybody's got something they're dealing with. Yep. And what Jesus did for me, he will do for you. And so I'll never stop talking about it. It's like Paul writing to Timothy, even though I was once a blasphemer, persecutor, and violent man. But the unlimited mercy and patience of Jesus Christ was put on display. And so I tell people all the time, like, you show your wounds to share your Savior. It's just what we do. You talk about what he saved you from, because everybody's got sin, but not everybody has Jesus. Hmm. John Elmore joining us this afternoon. Here's who I hope is going to join in the conversation. There are those of you listening who um, you're thinking, I'm, I'm managing my, my deal. I'm like John. I, I, yeah, I go, I get a little overboard every once in a while. I, you know, I drink to excess on occasion. I, I, I do that, but I don't do that all the time. I, I can manage it. I can handle it and you haven't hit rock bottom yet, I hope you'll call and let's have a conversation together. Some of you are at the bottom and you go, I don't know if there's any hope. I've tried things. It hasn't worked. I'm feeling desperate. I, I feel alone. I'm hoping you'll call. The number's 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Some of you have experienced freedom from the bondage that we've been talking about. I hope to hear from you as well. 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557, and, uh, and we want to take your calls this afternoon. We're going to take a quick time out and continue the conversation with your phone calls. Uh, stay with us as uh, Southern California Live continues this afternoon on KKLA. Southern California Live on KKLA. Monday afternoon, I'm Bob Lapine. We're talking about freedom happening from life-dominating, life-controlling sins from addictions, whether it's addictions to drugs, alcohol, porn, whatever it's been that has 
enslaved you. I'm thinking of Galatians chapter 6 where the Bible tells us if you see a brother who's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual are to restore that person with a spirit of gentleness or meekness and taking care that you don't get sucked into the same thing. John Elmore is joining us. John leads a ministry in Dallas called Regeneration at Watermark Community Church. He's got his own story of alcoholism and freedom from that. He's written a devotional for those who are struggling with this called Freedom Starts Today. And we're taking your phone calls at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Aaliyah is on the line with us in Hawthorne. Aaliyah, thanks for calling in this afternoon. Cool, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, what's your story? So my story was, it's not, well, you know, I started out with, with drinking and weed, you know. I, I grew up in the in, in North Hollywood, and so I was kind of a product of my environment, you know. So I grew up, like, my brothers were gangbanging, his friends and all that. So I just kind of felt like that was my destiny, like like that was my future, you know. So... Uh, seeing that, I tried to embrace it, you know, so I went towards that way. And when I started drinking, I, I, I seen that drinking was good, you know, but I did grow up in the church, you know, my pastor, my grandpa was a pastor, so I knew the word, you know, and, and I was always with that fear of hell. But somewhere down the line, I just kind of like gave in more to the streets. So the fear of hell and all that just kind of started to like go away the more I drank, you know, so... It started with, with alcohol, and then it went to weed, and I thought weed was, like, really cool, so I, I, felt, I felt good, you know, and it, and it went along with the lifestyle. So uh, as, as I started growing, I, I, uh, my friends, homies, whatever, I started seeing that they, they started bringing around Coke and uh, Crystal, you know, so I was, I was, then I started getting stuck on cocaine and Crystal. And when I came out of juvenile halls at the age of 17, I had I had a friend who who was stuck on uh, heroin, you know, and and he told me, hey man, uh, um, let, let's do some heroin, you know, this 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 and that. But I didn't know that there was other ways of doing heroin than than other than uh, injecting it. So so I was like, no, I was scared, like, no man, I don't want to, I don't want to poke myself. And then I seen that he was smoking it, you know. When I seen he was smoking, I was like, oh, like oh, I want to try that. So so I went ahead. And I started doing it, and I got hooked instantly. Instantly. That was like, like my next 10 years was just like heroin. I didn't wow. want to know nothing about drinking. I didn't want to know nothing about cold, crystal, nothing, you know. So, so yeah, man, I started committing more crimes and more crimes. I went to prison, and then in prison, you know, there's ways you'll find the, the drugs. And so uh, um, I got stuck on it, and I was stuck. I OD'd twice. I OD'd uh, the first time when the first time I came out of prison. No, wait, 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 wait. White. You're yeah. doing heroin in prison? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's ways the people bring it in. Visits, all that. People bring it in. Yeah, man. And, uh, um, and the thing about it is that in prison, you don't get the same amount, and it's a lot more expensive. Whew. You know? It's a lot more expensive. You get, like, like, like a little, like, uh, 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 the size of your nail for, like, about $100, you know, mm. a little mm. nug. Hmm. And, and, and so yeah, so when I got out, I thought I thought to myself like, man, you know, like I, I've been doing this for a long time, but I, I didn't realize that I was doing little amounts in prison. So when I came out, I started doing big amounts, and I OD'd. You know, I OD'd. I was to the point of of, of death. You know, the the doctors told my mom, 
hey, you know, uh, um, you should get your family here because the only thing uh, um, keeping them alive is the the machine, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. um, cases like this, even if he does survive, he he's going to be a vegetable. He's not going to be able to have no function. So my mom was like, no, my mom was a woman of God. You know, my mom, she is a woman of God. And she was just like, no, you know, I don't accept what the, what the man says. You know, I accept what God says about my son, you know. And she started praying and praying. And Well, the point is that they were set to disconnect the machine um, the next day in the morning. And I was in a coma, but my mom just kept praying over me and having faith. And then uh, um, thank, thankfully, man, thank God, praise Jesus that I woke up. That right before they were going to uh, unplug me, I woke up and I was able to start breathing on my own. So, yeah, so I will... I got up, I, 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 I survived that, and uh, I, I gave my life to Jesus, you know. But but the thing about it was that I didn't have, like, N.A. A-A. Like, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't go and, and get the help. So without mm-hmm. the help, I, I, I relapsed, you know. I needed the help. And not only that, I wasn't really going to church either, so I did relapse. And, and then I fell back to my routine. Then I went back to prison. And then I, 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 you know, same thing. Prison. Here we go again. Uh, I went to to uh, uh, to heroin, and when I got out of prison, like everybody was doing. Uh, I just got out in 2016. Everybody was popping pills. You know, now it's pills, and it was easier to get a hold of. And, and pretty much everyone had them. My dad, when he was still alive, uh, um, he prescribed them uh, uh, narcos. So I would steal his narcos, you know, and, and, and so I got hooked on that. And then I, I, um, I ended up being again in 2017, but uh, I, um, I survived that one again, thank God. You know, and, and all this, this whole time, I wasn't taking it serious, you know, and, and, and so I met my, my wife, and she was like, this is when I hit rock bottom, when, when my wife didn't want to let me go get the drug, and I would fight her on it. You know, and one day she got in the car with me and she was like, no. And then she was like, and I was super drunk. And she said, okay, if you go, I'm going to go with you. And then I was just like, I don't care at this point. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm on drugs. I don't care. You know, you're going to go with me. And then, but the whole time on the way over there, she was just like scorching me, talking, you know, like, no, giving me a piece of her mind. And, and I just like, and then she turned the car around. She was like, no, I'm not going to take you. I don't care. And this, this, and that. So we came back home and then. Like, I, I told her a bunch of stuff. I started accusing her of uh, of sleeping with my nephews, all kinds of stuff. I just wanted to get away from her so I could go to the connect and get my, my, my fix, you know, and, and I did. And I went and I, and I, and I picked up my fix and, and I got high and I was at my mother's house. And then, like, I was over there, woke up the next day and I was like, wow, I just made a fool of myself. Like, I made my wife cry. I put her through hell. And I just, I was just so sick of myself. And I was thinking to myself, like, how can I hurt this woman, you know? This woman that loves me, that takes care of me, how can I hurt her? So I came back and I told her, look, man, I, I have a, a drug addiction. And I cannot quit this drug addiction myself, you know? And, and she was like, I'm with you. What do we need to do? So I, I got on methadone. So I'm currently on the methadone. But also what's helping me is church, you know? We started going to church. I gave my life to Christ. I mean, I'm not perfect. You know, I still got, you know, my, 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 my troubles, but I'm, I'm, I'm sober now. When they offer me, like, when I go to, like, family parties, they offer me now, I have the strength to say no. And that's Jesus, you know, the, my prayers. Yeah. I just, and, and thankfully, I just had my first daughter, 
you know, <laughs> and all this, I give thanks to God because all this would have never happened if I didn't make the decision to Amen. to get sober. I, I want John, John, just react to what you heard Aaliyah share there. Yeah, Aaliyah, thank you so much for being honest. Everybody's got something, and you just bore your soul to the world, brother, and testified to your sin and to your Savior. And so I'm so proud and thankful. And the other thing I would say is, like, what you just shared is so crucial. Like, no one is going to get out of anything without the people of God. You talked about church and your, your believing family. So the people of God, the Word of God, which you're going to get through the preaching and daily abiding, and the Spirit of God, who has the power over sin. You said you trusted in Jesus, and that's when change began to happen. Um, but you're still struggling, and that's normal. Like... I think sometimes we, we hold up these stories of just like miraculous intervention, but then that's not everyone else's reality. And they're like, man, I've been addicted to pills or porn or weed or whatever it may be, or, or eating or not eating, um, or men or women, relationships, whatever it is, for decades. And I've pleaded with God to take it away, and He hasn't. Like, I still struggle. And that's just the reality, this side of eternity, we are going to struggle with sin. And so, like, great Puritan theologian John Owen said, be killing sin, or it will be killing you. And uh, he said, make it your daily work. Like, there's all, there is no neutral. Like, we've got to be on the offensive, killing sin, or it will be killing us, and it's a daily thing. It's not like we walk the aisle, make a decision, and everything else is going to be perfect and sanctified this side of heaven. It's just not. It says that the, the spirit and the flesh wage war against one another um, right before that passage that Bob just read from Galatians 6, there in Galatians 5. And so um, this is a lot of what the book is, is like to be in daily communication with another believer, to surrender and submit your will to God for that day, for 24 hours. I tell people all the time, like, like if I ask you, Aaliyah, like, hey, will you promise me tonight that you'll never use or drink again for the rest of your life? I think you'd probably want to. You'd be like, man, I want to I want to promise that, but I don't know, you know, history has shown otherwise. But what if I ask you, Aaliyah, hey, by God's strength, could you not use or drink for the next 24 hours? What would be your answer? Of course, yeah. For God's yeah. strength, yeah. Of yeah. course, yeah. 24 hours is like, man, I don't know if I could quit for life, but could you quit for 24 hours? The answer is always yes. By God's strength. And then you read the Bible and you're like, oh, that's all God's asking is just walk with me today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Walk with God today and you won't do what you don't want to do. That's the promise of Galatians 5.16. And so we do that not by ourselves, but with another believer, because he says if you confess and pray, you will be healed. So we take God at that promise, and then we just start living one day at a time. And you don't have to worry about quitting this 40-year porn addiction or pill addiction or men addiction for the rest of your life, don't focus on forever, just focus on today. Because if someone asked me, hey, John, can you climb Mount Everest right now? I'd be like, well, I'd like to, but no, a certain death, like I will die. (laughs) But if they said, hey, I I get it, but could you walk 100 yards with me by God's strength? I'd be like, dude, yes, great, let's walk 100 yards. And then tomorrow, we're going to walk 100 yards. And the next day, we're going to walk 100 yards. And pretty soon, like me, here I am 16 years sober. And it's not because I'm 16 years sober. It's because I'm like, I don't know what the numbers are, 5,873 days sober. It's a daily decision. Am I going to follow Jesus or follow the flesh? 
You, you talk in your book about the addiction being what you call a lingering lover. In fact, you had a billboard that you used to drive by that called you yeah. back regularly, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was. I tell people I saw my ex three times in one day, and they're like, oh, my goodness, Dallas is a big city. How did that happen? And it's because I was driving by this uh, – I kept seeing this Jack Daniels billboard. Uh, they started making – a different kind of, instead of, well, it doesn't matter. I don't want to cause anybody to stumble. But I, I kept driving by a particular kind that they didn't used to make back when I was drinking. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm a pastor at a church. And I'm staring at this uh, billboard with my kids in the car being like, man, I missed out. I, didn't, I never got to try that. Hmm. And it's, it's that lingering lover that is there now trying to woo me back. And, you know, just like an ex, you only remember the good times. You're like, oh, man, why did we even break up in the first place? Things were so good. We always had fun together. You always remember the high and not the low. You remember the good times, not the hangover. And that's what sin and temptation does. It's, it's like it's just the deceitfulness of sin. And it says in Hebrews 3.13, uh, encourage one another daily, not on Sunday, not at women's Bible study on Wednesday, um, not just what it, but it says daily. And, and God says, the reason why I want you to encourage each other every single day, he says, so that you will not be hardened, your spirit hardened, by the deceitfulness of sin, that every single day, if we are not encouraging one another, as, as Bob, you're facilitating right now to thousands over the airwaves right now, you're doing this for people. It says, it says if we don't do that, we can expect to be deceived by sin. But the antidote God gives us is through this mutual encouragement to each other. John Elmore joining us this afternoon. I, I would encourage all of you, if if this is an area of struggle for you, you know someone it's an area of struggle for, addiction, whatever it is, the book Freedom Starts Today is uh, a day-by-day uh, beginning point. It, it's not the, it, it doesn't fix everything, but it puts you on the right path and it's available. It's John's book. I'd encourage you to get it. And I'd encourage you to call us at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Aaliyah, thank you for sharing your story. Others of you who maybe you're still in the thick of it. Maybe you're caught in a snare. Uh, Call and let's talk about that this afternoon. Let's talk about where freedom starts and how you can get there. 888-528-2557. 2557. We'll take a time out and continue our conversation with John Elmore in just a minute. You're, as we continue on Southern California Live on KKLA. Southern California Live on KKLA, Monday afternoon, Bob Lapine. We're talking about addiction. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about where to find hope, how to find a path out. John Elmore is joining us this afternoon. John leads a ministry called Regeneration that is a part of Watermark Community Church in Dallas. He's written a devotional book for those who are on the path of recovery called Freedom Starts Today. And uh, John has his own story, as we've already heard. We'd love to hear your story. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. John, what what is the turning point in a person's life that that takes them from uh, managing their sin to mortifying their sin? Yeah, so good, Bob. Uh, Thank you. 
I think it becomes about bringing in the light. And so that's to the Lord and to others. Again, he says, if you want to be forgiven, you confess your sins to the Lord. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then that's forgiveness. But if you want to be healed, he says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So I know that people want much more than to just be forgiven. I think, you know, so oftentimes we're forgiven, born again, and then we're just eking out the spiritual existence, just wrestling with the sins and these addictive things that we return to, these idols, um, and, we, and we don't get free and we wonder why. And it's because God's, God's equation, God's, God's pass out is that we would not do that in isolation. I think because He knows everyone's struggling with something and wants that healing to spread. And so He's given us to each other, the body of Christ, that we could confess and be free. And so I tell people it's really simple. It's an acronym called ACT, A-C-T. A is ask. You just ask God for help. Uh, that you don't have power over whatever the struggle is. You don't have the ability, but He has all power. So you ask Him for the help, that He would give you freedom from whatever that struggle is for these 24 hours, just for one day. Would you keep me from porn or eating or under-eating or whatever it may be? And then C is commit, to commit to God for 24 hours that you would not give in to whatever your thing is. So you commit, God, by your power, I'm not going to do this after you've asked him, and then uh, to another person. You're committing not just to the Lord and asking him for help, but you're also texting or calling another brother or sister in Christ and saying, hey, I'm committing by God's strength to not give in to porn or masturbation or drugs or pills or weed or alcohol or, or men or these dating apps or whatever it may be, social media, um, for the next 24 hours. And would you please pray for me? And then the, the T on ACT, ask, commit, for 24 hours, and then T is talk or text. That 24 hours later, you're going to call that person, and you're going to let them know how you did, if you stayed free from whatever your struggle was. So there's a follow-up. Because so oftentimes in Christianity, we will give a reactive confession of sin. It's like, well, I'll tell you if and when something becomes bad enough, I'll let you know. This instead is a proactive decision. For the next 24 hours, I'm not going to give in to X, Y, or Z by God's strength. And I'm going to follow up with you the next day to let you know how I did. And, um, and that's not for them to be a hall monitor. It's for them to encourage you, to pray for you, and to start walking in that daily surrender, daily prayer, daily commitment. And, I mean, I've seen countless people be freed from everything that every listener is dealing with. Because God is able. He alone is able. He's just waiting for us to ask. Freedom available and waiting. John, we've got a lot of people who, here's their daily pattern. They they go through work, maybe at lunch. Uh, you know, they might have a beer when they have lunch. They get home. They they have a glass of wine at with dinner. It's it's just kind of the rhythm that they're in. They don't they don't see any debilitating impact from that. They're they don't mood doesn't seem altered. They're not getting sloppy drunk. Maybe they get home and take a gummy instead of of having wine, just to you know knock the edge off a little bit. But they would say, I I can quit this if I need to, but you know it kind of helps get me through the day. Do they have a problem? Um, it, with what you just described, I would say yes. Like anything that we become uh, dependent on in a habitual sense, I would say has become an idol in our life that we are now running to what I would call what John Calvin would call a functional Savior. So instead of running to the true Savior to get peace from Him, 
we are now going to a functional Savior. Like, hey, Jesus, you're not cutting it. Um, with the anxiety that I feel, the stress that I feel, I can't unwind after work. And so I now go to this substance. The Bible doesn't say don't drink. It says don't be drunk. Um, I would say, you know, the gummies, the edibles, I mean, weed, you're either stoned or you're not. There's, there's like, uh, it says we're to be a sober of spirit so that we can pray, Peter writes. And so I think um, oftentimes when people are even asking that question, it's already admission of a problem because it's it's being posed in this defensive manner, whereas if it's not a problem, you're likely not having to defend it or even explain it, because no one sees it as a problem, including yourself. Mm-hmm. And so even when someone um, begins down that path, you're, you're seeing, even if it's not like full-blown addiction, they're sleeping in a the ditch, they've lost their job, they're functional, in a sense, with their functional Savior, but that defensiveness is revealing, okay, you're now attacking the idol, that is giving them what they want, and an idol will give you what you want because it's you that they want. Satan will use that idol to get you. And so as you start to press into that idol, you'll often see people start to get really defensive and agitated um, because you're going after what's giving them that, that false peace or relief. John Elmore joining us this afternoon. The number is 888-52-TALKS. Holly is on the line with us from L.A. Holly, thanks for calling. You're on the air with John Elmore. Hi. Um, I'm, hi, I'm calling from L.A. My daughter is actually out in Collin County, uh, near Dallas County right now. Sure, She's yeah. an addict. And I hope I don't start crying, but um, my question is, is that, uh, what can I do to help her? I'm going to order your book, and I'm going to send that to her. But she's really about to hit rock bottom. She's uh, lost one baby that I'm raising and another one out there, and uh, she's not functionable. And I feel so, so lost. I don't know what to do to help her. My husband is just, we're just like, don't know what to do. Holly, I'm so sorry. I, um, I put my family through what you're going through, and I'm so sorry. And I'm also so thankful that you care and that, um, and that you're still desiring to help. And so um, please hear me say that first, that I'm so sorry and I'm so thankful for a godly, loving mother who wants to care without enabling, and so I'm proud of you. Um, If you can point her to regeneration at Watermark, we'd love to help her. Collin County is very close, so that's driving distance for sure. Um, So you can point her, and and me and a female staff member can meet with her. The other thing I would point you to, we have a ministry that's available to everybody on the website. You go to watermark.org. You can type in the search field, prodigal, and we have this ministry that is built because behind every addict is a family dealing with all their addictive behavior. And it's how to love the loved one who is in rebellion without enabling them. And so there's teachings that are available there and all sorts of helpful tools. Um, I'd say don't give up in prayer. Like just labor in prayer, as I'm sure that you are. Um, And then the other is to not enable. And so when the calls come for money or whatever, and as brutal as it may seem, you, yeah. you've, you, you, let, you let your daughter experience the pain of sin, because we often, as addicts, will not turn from sin until we experience the consequence of sin. And so in losing one child, um, it sounds like she hasn't hit that bottom yet, but I think I truly just turning them over to their sin. It says 
in Hebrews 12 that, that the discipline of the Lord it does not seem pleasant at the time, but it does yield to a peaceful harvest of righteousness. Um, John Harrigan, what's what's the website you point people to who are parents of of users? Yes. Yeah, thanks, Bob. It's watermark.org. That's our church website, watermark.org. And then you put in the search field prodigal, like the prodigal son, and um, that will pull up teachings and different materials uh, to give help and resource for those who have a loved one in rebellion. And you would say that enabling is the number one mistake that parents or loved ones make? Yeah, I think it actually... So it, it says in the Proverbs, discipline your son, for in this there is life. Do not be a willing party to their death. And I think oftentimes we can be a willing party. And, and Holly, please hear me say, I'm not saying, I'm now speaking to in, in generalities of parenting. Um, that when we give money, when we bail someone out of jail, uh, when we get a lawyer for the DUI, um, all oh, these different That's a message ways, for us. This is crazy message for me right now. Yeah, Yeah, all all those different ways that we think we're helping, we're actually, I believe, uh, intervening um, on on the discipline of the Lord, like almost like if I was um, to to put my hand or or a blanket across my son's bottom when he's receiving a spanking, um, that he wouldn't feel the sting of that discipline. Um, I've now, like, taken that away. And so I think it truly in a strange, really hard way. And as a parent, I, I know this is difficult, but you allow people to experience the pain of their sin so that they know, oh, sin is death, and I want no part of it. And Holly, I want to take just a minute, and I want to pray for you and pray for your daughter. Mm-hmm. And, and Lord, we do come to you on behalf of Holly and her husband, uh, their daughter. Lord, we pray that you would bring their daughter to to the end of herself, that she would see her need for you, her need for uh, salvation, her need for strength, her need for your spirit to take control of her life. I pray that she would be willing to reach out and get the help that she needs, that maybe she'd connect with Watermark and and get the help that she needs there. I pray that you'd give wisdom to Holly and her husband to know what to do and what not to do as they seek to love her and to care for her. And Lord, we pray for her healing and her restoration and for her salvation. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, Holly, so thank you for your call. And and uh, and, and John, we, we got 30 seconds. Thank you for the time here this afternoon, for your story, for the help, and for the book. I do hope a lot of people will get the book and start walking through it and get the help they need. So bless you in the work that you're doing, and pray that the meeting at Watermark tonight is a, a fruitful meeting and that God will set people free. Thank you, Bob. I, I yeah. tell your listeners, too, that there's a free entries. Uh, you don't even have to buy the book. You can get parts of it for free at freedomstartstoday.org. So you don't even have to buy anything to start that journey. You can start today. All right. Check it out. Thanks, John. Thanks to all of you for listening. KKLI Live on a Monday afternoon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.